This morning's reading is from Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the Gospel of Christ. Thank you, Vic. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Just before we get into things, um, in two weeks' time we're doing our Dinners for Eight, and um, if you don't know what Dinners for Eight is, let me just briefly plug it for you because you need to sign up today. It's a really good opportunity to get to know people within the church family. You can sign up as either a host or a guest, and in two weeks' time there'll be lots of different meals happening at uh, different people's places over the um, uh, around the, the church. And um, so if you would like to go to uh, a dinner with eight people from the church, you'll be randomly assigned to it. It's just a great time to have a meal and get to know some of the other people from church. So if you're interested in that, Uh, There's some um, clipboards at the back of the church. Just put your name down as either a host or a guest and we'll take care of the rest and it will be a really uh, easy way for you to get to know more of the people at the church better. Uh, The other thing just before I pray is, I haven't had a chance to do this for 15 years at uh, St Stephen's, but did anyone watch the rugby last night? Edna did. Edna was supporting the Blues. So so Edna and I are feeling very happy this morning. We should pray. Uh, Thank you for coming along this morning. It's miserable out there. You've made a big effort to come to church this morning. And I feel bad because these words are challenging. Last week there was a comfort we got from the Lord Jesus. I hope you felt that as we heard them. We actually had the same reading last week if you weren't here. But we only focused on the first three verses in which there's enormous comfort when we realise what the Lord Jesus has done for us. But this morning we've got some challenge. He challenges us with how we're going to live in response to what he's done. So why don't I pray for us as we, uh, that we're up for the challenge that we will hear this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, the word. And we thank you for the things that he said that we're thinking about this morning. Uh, Lord, you, you know that each of us, you know what we need to hear. You also know that there are, are some 
uh, who particularly within our church family at the moment at St. Stephen's are going through difficult times and uh, I don't want to add to their burden. And yet the Lord Jesus said these things for us to hear. So we pray, Lord, that as we hear these words, you by your spirit might work within us, prompt us where we need it, uh, challenge us where we need it, comfort us where we need it. We pray that you would do your work this morning by your word, through your spirit in each of us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's something that I've found myself talking about a lot here at St. Stephen's uh, in recent times, but that's because I think it's the sign of our times today. We are obsessed as a society, I'm sure, I think, with telling people to express themselves, with getting people to focus on themselves, listening to the inner voice, finding the authentic self. We do it in our education systems, we hear it and see it in our advertising, we witness it in movies and TV shows. All the time it's a similar kind of message that's being promoted and being said. You do you. You be true to yourself. Follow your heart. Don't let anyone put limits on you. Believe in yourself. Follow your dreams. You can do anything you want. Behind it all, we are championing self-esteem. We are praising self-determination. We're uplifting self-belief. We're um, uh, giving good thoughts to self-expression. And there can be a place for all of that. But today we find Jesus say, self-denial is actually the most important one. You won't hear this in the world today very often. Today it's almost the exact opposite. Never deny yourself. Express the true you. Be the true you. Jesus says the opposite. The world today will say, don't deny yourself. If it feels good, do it. Go with your desires. Listen to your feelings. Jesus says, deny yourself. Our key verse this morning is the one that Jesus says in verse 24. If anyone would come after me, that's anyone would come after Jesus, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Self-denial. I'm convinced this is a message we need to hear today because the message the world is shouting out is bringing misery. It's bringing pain. It's bringing difficulty. What's the result of all this focus on self-esteem, self-determination, self-belief, self-expression? Is it bringing more happiness into our society? Is it bringing more success and fulfillment in life? It is absolutely not. I would argue, and I'm up for a discussion afterwards, I'll I'll sit down and debate it, I would argue we're more miserable today, more isolated, more unhappy than perhaps any other time because we're so focused on ourselves. We have more people struggling than ever, ever before with mental illness, more people wrestling with depression, tragically suicide at a high rate, more people seeking connections because they feel so isolated and alone. Something's not working. And I would argue it's because all this focus on self is bringing selfishness. And selfishness corrupts. Corrupts us and it corrupts communities and relationships and everything else. We need to hear this message of Jesus today, not just because he says this is what every follower of him should do, but because this is the way God created us to and it makes a better life and a better society. It brings more satisfaction and fulfilment. Now, I'm not saying that's why we need to do why we should do it primarily. It's because Jesus tells us to do it, but it brings this. But these are challenging words that we're hearing today because they're so contrary, so opposite to what we hear from the world around us. 
Now, if you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, you'll know that these words come as part of a larger set section that we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks. Peter, if you remember a couple of weeks back, Jesus had said, who do you say I am? And Peter had got things wonderfully right. He said, you're the Christ, Jesus. You are the one promised in the Old Testament, God's promised king, who we've all been waiting for, the one who would come and rescue God's people and rule God's kingdom forever. You're that guy. You're the Christ. But then Jesus explained to him that the Christ must suffer and die. That blew Peter's mind. He couldn't get his head around it. Peter even argued with him about it, said, no, no, not you. You're not going to go through that. Now, he'd actually said the Christ must suffer, die, and then rise back to life. But Peter didn't even see the rising back to life. He just got caught up in the first two. The Christ could never do that. And Jesus had told him, no, no, the Christ has a cross-shaped mission. The Christ must deny himself and go to the cross. It's what every person's going to need. Well, today we see Jesus tell his disciples that not just he, as the Christ, needs a cross-shaped mission, all Christians, all those who follow Jesus, also must have a cross-shaped mission for themselves. The disciples that he was speaking to immediately in verse 24 here, and all of us, you and I now, uh, who follow him now. As I said before, verse 24 is the key one. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's the point he's making. Then in the rest of the verses, uh, 25 onwards, let me show you how they fit together. Jesus gives two reasons why people should live this way, why they should live denying self, taking up their cross and following Jesus. And both reasons start with the word for. So he goes, verse 25, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, dot, dot, dot. Then a second reason in verse 27, for the Son of Man's going to come in his Father's glory, dot, dot, dot. So live this way, denying self, take up your cross, follow me, because of reason number one, which is verse 25 and 26, and because of reason number two, which is verse 27 and 28. So let me tell you what the two reasons he gives for living this way are. Have a look at verses 25 and 26. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? The first reason Jesus gives for living a cross-shaped life is that paradoxically it leads to life. It leads to the soul being safe and preserved. Now, he's not saying that living this way saves a person. He said that last week when he said why the Christ had to live a cross-shaped life. He's the one who needed to die. But living this way shows that we are saved. It shows that we're following in the footsteps of the one who saved us. So do you see what Jesus is saying in these verses? If you're living for this world, just the 75 years or so that you and I will live on this rock, if you're just thinking about your body, if you're not thinking about eternity and your soul, it leads to nothing. What are you living for? I want to tell you this morning, if you're living primarily right now for yourself, just for pleasure or for the weekend or for what you can achieve or attain, for possessions or power, for a healthy body or for eating, or you're living for a world that's perishing, and you're perishing. Friends, you are much more than just that. 
your soul is so much more important, your eternal soul, which is worth so much more than just 75 years on this planet. Now, our bodies carry on too. They're raised imperishable and they're, they're new, but we're more than just the life we live now temporarily in this body in this age. And yet so many of us just live for this here and now. We spend so much time worrying about our looks and yet they fade. So much time trying to attain money, which disappears and goes. So much time thinking about our health, which deteriorates. Our possessions, which break or rust or get lost. We seek image and status and achievements, which all diminish over time. What about your soul? What about eternity? Gain the world and forfeit your soul, Jesus says. Is it worth it? How many movies and TV programs have been about the devil? Uh, offering someone everything they want in this life just for what? Their soul. Have a think about your life right now and what you're living for. If you're not focusing on the bigger picture, eternity and your soul, in other words, if you're not focusing on Jesus and who he is and what he's done for you, then there's a sense that you're wasting your time, but not wasting your time in a neutral way where it doesn't really matter that you didn't spend it as well as you could, wasting your time in a dangerous manner. Because your soul and eternity is in danger. What are you doing? Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, because this is true life. This is what brings true life and preserves the soul. First reason for living this way, it's so important. There's nothing more important in this life than that. That's his first reason. Second reason for living a life that denies self, takes up their cross and follows Jesus. Verse 27, 28. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he's done. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So, do you follow what he's saying? Second reason we should deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Jesus is, there will come a time one day when Jesus will return in glory and reward his people. Reward his people for what they've done. Now, we don't often talk about rewards in the Christian life. We, we, we usually focus on what's been done for us as a gift by the Lord Jesus. But Jesus mentions it here explicitly. Now, wrong, I think, to want to do things just to get a reward. We should want to live a proper life because it's because of thankfulness for what the Lord's done for us, because it's what we should do. It's uh, honoring and obeying our King as we should. But Jesus tells us it comes with reward. And this is wonderful news. And I particularly want to encourage any, any of you this morning, and there will be some of you this morning, who live for the Lord who make sometimes painful and difficult decisions and take the hard way with tricky actions and feel like it's never seen or appreciated by other people. It's never acknowledged. And you know you've suffered because you've tried to put the Lord first, but no one else sees it or uh, witnesses it. Sometimes it's even worse because you know you try to live for the Lord. You try to follow him faithfully, perhaps sexually or materially or by turning the other cheek or by being humble and you see and are surrounded by others who don't do that, who flaunt it and seem to be winning at life. They seem to be happier and praised. And I want to remind you this morning, your Heavenly Father sees everything. He sees what you do on His behalf. He sees the decisions you make and the actions you take. And He knows what you've done and He delights in your obedience, delights in your perseverance, is thrilled with your holiness. 
know that. These are encouraging words at one level because it, it says no deeds go unseen. You may not feel like you get recognition in this world and you might not, but you will when Jesus comes back because your heavenly Father knows and sees. And so Jesus says the second reason you should uh, live in this way, denying self, taking up your cross and following him is one day, this world is not going to carry on the way it is, one day I'm coming back in all my glory and you'll be rewarded. And that will be what you get, not for 75 years, but for eternity. So live that way. Now, they're the two reasons, Jesus says, to live the way of verse uh, 24. But uh, I need to briefly mention verse 28 because it's a kind of strange verse and lots of people have questions about it. Jesus, remember, keep it in context, Jesus has been talking about him coming back in glory with his father's angels and giving out rewards. So he's clearly talking about the second coming, I think. Then he says, verse 28, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here, and he's talking to his disciples, verse 24 tells us, will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And yet all his disciples tasted death before Jesus came back with the second coming because he hasn't come back yet and they're all dead. So you can see the question that goes on in their mind. Now, there's lots we could say on this, but I just want to give the most obvious answer, I think. I think there's more to it than this, but he's speaking, I think, of the transfiguration. We, uh, as Ollie said, we're about to stop our um, series in Matthew for a little while and go on and look at a few other things. But if we were carrying on, the next passage we see in Matthew's gospel is the transfiguration. In fact, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as soon as Jesus says these words, the next thing that happens is the transfiguration. And what happens in the transfiguration? Three of the disciples got a rare glimpse of the glory of Jesus. Not all the disciples, just three. Who were the three? Peter, James, and John. But they get a rare glimpse of the glory of Jesus. We're told that his face shone with a certain glory. His, his, his clothes were white and dazzling. He's there with Moses and Elijah. God's voice is audibly heard as it speaks about Jesus and basically says Jesus is the most important person. It, they got a rare glimpse of the glory of Jesus in a different way. I think that's what's being said. Let's go back, though, to the main thing. Jesus says... If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Then he gives two reasons why he should do that. Firstly, because living for this world is crazy and it leads to the loss of life and endangers your soul. But living this way will preserve your soul and it's the way you should live. And secondly, because Jesus will one day come back and reward all the things uh, we as his people do for him. So I want to finish this morning by, by looking at, well, if it's so important, how do we live like verse 24? How do we deny self, take up our cross, and follow Jesus if it's that important? It's for all Christians. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So how do we deny self and take up our cross? What does it mean to deny yourself? I'll tell you what it doesn't mean in this context. It doesn't mean no chocolate for Lent. It doesn't mean either you must always take the hard, unpleasant option. It's not like God's got a perverse sense of humour and he thinks you should always take that which is worse. It's not that. 
It's not saying you can never laugh or enjoy life. God is the one who gives joy. He he wants us to be joyful. He gives us things which don't just function. They're beautiful to look at and wonderful to experience. He delights in all that. So if it doesn't mean denying yourself, and that doesn't mean Christians have to be miserable all the time, always taking the worst option and uh, not having chocolate for Lent. What does it mean? Well, we see it in Jesus. Jesus was the one who perfectly denied self, took up his cross, and followed the Lord. He denied himself not because he was against pleasure and fun, but because his ultimate purpose was, yet not my will, but your will be done. His ultimate purpose was not his own glory, but the good of those around him. That's how we deny ourselves. We deny ourselves as we allow God to rule our lives, not we ruling our lives. As we say no to what my personal preference is, if God's direction is different. That's how we deny ourselves. And that is so countercultural to today's message. Today it's all about love yourself, fulfill yourself, be true to yourself, express yourself. Jesus says, deny yourself. Hard to think of a more offensive statement today, but it's what Jesus says we're to do. And what he's saying is there will be aspects of you and me that are not what the Lord wants from us. And we're to live his way, not ours. Not our personal preference, not our perhaps comfort zone. We're to live his way, not ours. We are all broken in different ways. The natural person comes out in us in various ways. And sometimes we, we excuse him. We say, well, that's just me. That's what I'm like. It's natural. It's who I am. If it's not of the Lord, Jesus is saying, deny it. Live his way, not your own. When it comes to the way we use money, or our bodies, or the way we talk, or the decisions we make, or the priorities we have, are we living them in line with the Lord or ourselves? Deny self and live his way. It's very strong language that Jesus uses here. Take up your cross and follow me. That's not just saying, put me first. The cross was death. It was shame. It was humiliation. And Jesus is saying we're to live that way for him. Death to self, living for him. As Bonhoeffer says, when God calls a man, he bids him come and die. It's death to self, having Jesus as king in every area of life. Our tongues, our bodies, our wallets, our times, we li- our time, we live for him. Do you see how radical this is? Do you see how challenging and strong it is? Jesus was saying to his disciples, it's not enough just to be interested in me. It's not enough just to enjoy listening to me. It must affect your life. There is a cross shape to the life of every follower of Jesus. There must be. These words are challenging. I've felt the prod of them this week. You may be feeling the prod of them right now. Because he's saying, we've all come because we've got some level of interest unless we were forced here this morning. But uh, otherwise, we come here because we've got some level of interest. It's not enough to be interested. It's not enough to listen. It must impact our choices, our directions, our actions, our very lives. Jesus calls us to a radical faith that puts him and following him in the gospel first. The world says today, seek your comfort first or your pleasure first, your uh, personal preference first. Jesus says, no, deny self, take up your cross, 
and follow me. Don't seek first the kingdom of comfort. Don't seek first the principality of personal preference. We have a saviour who lived this life first and he did it for you and I because there's something way more important than just 75 years on this planet. He did it to save us and to make us God's children and to make sure that one day we will be rewarded and have that to look forward to. This will be hard to live like this. Good, because actually living this way is living in line with how we were created and although it brings struggle and difficulty, there's also a sense of satisfaction and fulfilment and we know we're doing what we should be doing. But it's hard. Uh, I think um, there's good parts to it though. There's a welcome simplicity to this. I sometimes worry that our world with its message at the moment, with its endless choices and possibilities and apparent freedoms to do whatever you want, be whatever you want, pursue whatever you want, it brings terrible pressure because there's so many options. People don't know, who am I supposed to be and what am I supposed to be doing? And it brings a weariness and a worry. It brings paralysis. It brings weight of wrong choices. And what if I go the wrong direction? And simple for the Christian, we go God's way. He knows us. He knows what's best. We go his way. His truth, his law, and it's the best news possible. We've got to tell our children this. It will be hard enough for us to reject the, uh, the, the voice of the world at the moment because it's so loud. Even harder for our children. And they get this every day in their education systems. They get this every day on the screens that they're in front of for, uh, for a long time. They get this every day from the friends that they're around and um, you be you, be the authentic you, express yourself, all this kind of, and it's leading to selfishness and misery and breakdown. Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Live his way. And Jesus warns us it's going to be hard. This is the opposite to the prosperity gospel at one level, which says if you come to God, your whole life will be wonderful. Jesus prepares us for the fact, no, it'll be a daily struggle as we take up our cross to follow him. But he also tells us there's a crown of glory to await, that awaits. He tells us of the good news that lies ahead, and we need to hear that too. And so as I close, can I ask you this morning, are you living a cross-shaped life? I've had to admit to my embarrassment this week, as I've thought about this, the older I get, the more I want comfort rather than the cross. The more I want to receive what I want rather than deny self. I don't really want to experience hardship for Jesus. I don't want my beliefs or practices to draw criticism or cause me embarrassment. And I want to blend in and kind of live the same life as everyone around. My life has a me shape to it, not a cross shape to it. And my shape's not a good shape. No one should want that shape. You want the cross shape to it. If you're the same as me, and even as I say that, you can kind of get, yeah, I think I'm the same. Well, today would be a good day to examine, to take stock of where you're going and what you're doing. Have we settled into patterns that need to change? Has our life taken on a, a comfortable me-shaped shape? Are there certain things you know, even as I'm saying this, you need to stop? Or some things you need to start to change as you deny yourself. Take up your cross 
and follow him? Are there certain patterns of behavior or thoughts, certain relationships you've been engaged in you need to pull back from? Live the cross-shaped life. Your soul is too important. The world says exactly the opposite today. Believe in yourself. If it feels good, do it. Follow your dreams. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Who are you going to listen to? What are you going to do? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these challenging words from our Saviour, the only one who could say them without hypocrisy, the only one who could say them with absolute integrity because he was the one who lived the perfect cross-shaped life, going to the actual cross to make us your children, to secure us a future and to bring life and light to this world. We pray, Father, that we might live in a way which imitates him, brings glory to him, sheds a light to other people in this world and brings you glory. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.